This podcast is brought to you by Spotify for Podcasters. Have you yourself ever wanted to become a podcaster? Well, Spotify makes it simple and easy to do so. You can record, edit, and even distribute your podcast straight from their app. The best part? It is absolutely 100% free. Visit their website, podcasters.spotify.com, for more details and download the app on your Apple or Android devices today to get started on your podcasting adventure. That's Spotify for Podcasters. is going on everybody travis fowler hark rider is back once again this week with a brand new edition of the four corner podcast so you know what that means it's time to talk pro wrestling and honestly i actually really have enjoyed a lot of the shows that have been put out this past week i mean all three companies including one that we'll discuss coming right at the beginning of this, um, have been actually doing very well. I say three companies, mainly because I'm talking about the stateside companies that make the most noise here, meaning WWE, AEW, and TNA. Um, I do have a recommendation coming up here shortly for a New Japan match that I was very, very fortunate to get to witness, and I was honestly, it, it was one of those things where I was like, already wanting to share it with one of my friends who's not even like a huge pro wrestling fan but the style of the match i think is right up his alley for enjoying a pro wrestling match but we'll get to that here momentarily i want to bring some light to something that i thought was a very small but effective touch to the overall show presentation for wwe on raw and smackdown specifically um I don't know if anybody really pays too close attention to the the little things or not, but if you notice with the LED guardrails that they have now and then the LED skirts for the ring and things like that, they're they're everywhere, right? And they usually have the logo with the big backgrounds and everything like that behind them. I don't know if anybody else caught it besides me and maybe a handful of other people that kind of noticed these little touches, but it looks like WWE's kind of toning down some of their graphics and lighting effects for the overall presentation, which I'm not mad about because like the lights that they would put on the audience members usually were the colors to represent the show that they were on. I think that's actually starting to become less frequent. Um, I'd have to actually go back and look to see if they did any, but I don't recall that being like a huge thing um, this past week. But nevertheless, the LED boards now only consisted of the WWE logo plus the show logo. And I actually thought that was a really nice touch because some of those things they did down in NXT when Triple H was originally running it, they would do certain things like that where they would like cut the lights down on the audience, not put too much of a a banner going across like the, the arena so that you didn't get distracted by the effects of videos as opposed to watching the match. And I really like that touch. I thought it was a very subtle but uh, new touch to the main roster to bring focus to whatever's going on in the ring. So that was a great improvement. Um, But 
like I said, I wanted to talk something that is very interesting, and it's over on the TNA side of things. Last week, we talked about the very surprising firing of one Scott Demore, who was the president of TNA for the last few years. He's the one that's been accredited along with Anthem as a company overall to rebuilding this product, TNA. Um, of course, it had been Impact Wrestling for well over a decade at this point, and then they went back to resurrecting those three letters for the brand, which people were already talking about. I mean, I was on this very podcast talking about how exciting it was, but also on the flip side, is it something that they wanted to go back to considering the, you know stigma that comes with those three letters and i'm not talking about the in-ring product but i'm talking about mainstream's thought when they hear tna they think you're saying t and a and no we're not talking about test and albert and that's a little inside joke for those of you in wrestling world but it also we're not referencing tits and ass so let's kind of get that out of the way but I really think overall now the the TNA brand itself had done very well about establishing themselves for the history that they could provide when it comes to being the first alternative post-WCW to WWE. And going back to that has really brought back a resurgence to the product. And then last week when we got hit with the news that Scott Demore had been released by Anthem over the TNA product, it stunned everybody, including myself and several others on top of it. And this past week, you had members of the TNA roster come out as a whole. The overall roster that wanted to put their concerns out there to Anthem over the firing they issued a statement or a letter if you will which we'll put up here on the screen right now if you're watching over on youtube which if you're not you should be because this is where we put all the cool pictures up um, they penned a full letter talking about their concerns and how they would quote like to have a dialogue to talk about uh, tna the future of the company scott demore's release so on and so forth and we'll see if this brings about any real change. I highly doubt it does. But in the other hand, when you've got a company or a roster, in this case, full of people who support one guy that brought the name back to prominence, rebuilt the brand, and basically said, we're starting at ground zero and have turned it into a successful product. Yeah, I think that goes a long way to have people who entrust in you and that you trust them go to bat for you to say, hey, we want this guy on our team. And if they don't get Scott Demore back, or let's just go ahead and hypothetically say that it goes on deaf ears, does Scott Demore go somewhere else? Eric Bischoff tends to think that AEW would benefit most from him as opposed to WWE. I don't disagree with that. Um, of course, he goes into a longer explanation, and if you want to do that, you can go check out his Strictly Business podcast along with his 83 Weeks podcast, but he really did think that Scott Demore would be a great fit story-wise for AEW, and it's kind of hard to argue it, even though AEW, for the most part, has actually been doing pretty good when it came to uh, storylines and shows and things like that. 
Obviously, the attendance and the declining TV audience is still of a grave concern, which reports have circulated stating that some members of the roster have actually become very vocal of this concern and that Tony Khan's really starting to play this off as, hey, everything's fine, when really there's not. It's not everything is fine. There are issues that need to be addressed that, for one reason or another, maybe just haven't been addressed yet, or maybe are being ignored altogether. Of course, none of us know because we don't work for AEW, but I hope that anything that is going on behind the scenes can get resolved because... I don't want to see AEW go anywhere, just like I didn't want to see TNA go anywhere, or any alternative that can be something that other people can tune into involving pro wrestling and enjoy. Speaking of enjoyment, I told you that I was going to recommend a match to you. And for those of you who are like myself, where you're not a big fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but you're a fan of great wrestling, there is a lot that New Japan offers within that category. Namely, at their new beginning show that took place a couple weeks ago, they had Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. 2. And a local Oklahoman, the name of Walker Stewart may ring a bell, was on call with his broadcast partner for the English commentary over at New Japan's New Beginnings. And even he was putting this over as being a match that you need to watch. And when you're done, go back and watch it again. I got to tell you, if you like sports type of authenticity when it comes to your wrestling this is the match for you it is very good very well paced i honestly think that they did great and the story that you are getting in that match is a very simplistic one and it's not what you may think it's not necessarily about who's just tougher than the other there is a different story that gets told in there like i said it's pretty obvious especially if you're somebody that's in the business like myself or others that i believe listen to this podcast or even watch it on youtube um, you'll understand what i mean by that and i think personally their second match is better than the Wrestle Dream match. I have to go back and watch the Wrestle Dream match to really give a full, I guess, support would be for match two being better. But I am almost confident to say that it really was the superior of the two. And without giving anything away, or maybe I would be giving it away if I really want to say this next part, but I think I can keep it spoiler free by stating there was. Stuff that happened within the match, especially near the end of the match, where we could easily see the third match between these two. And if I'm a betting man, I personally believe that they will do a third match between these two and it will happen at Forbidden Door 24. It's right there in front of you, and really it's in June. I guess they could do match number three if they choose to do a third match at All In in Wembley coming up in August, but I really think Forbidden Door may be the route that you take. But All In and Wembley could also present a big-time match with that on the card, along with whatever match Will Ospreay participates in, because you know he's going to have a big headlining match, at least for AEW on that front. So, maybe they save it for there. I, again, think it's going to be for Forbidden Door 24. Easy for me to say and fumble. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if you haven't yet, go seek it out. And enjoy Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson 2 from New Japan's New Beginnings a couple weeks back. So now, 
something I wanted to bring up because it was a thought of mine that came through while I was watching Raw this past Monday. And it involved the Rhea Ripley story and Liv Morgan. Of course, Liv Morgan came back and she's been on what she calls this revenge tour, which hasn't necessarily picked up a lot of steam yet, probably just because we're just getting started. Liv's a popular person anyway, so I really think it's probably just the beginning of the story, so it's hard for people to get invested just yet. Um, I really think, though, that we could benefit from potentially seeing a three-way take place, depending on what story they want to go with uh, at WrestleMania. The reason I say that is because, to me, your big money match when it comes to the women's division right now would be Rhea Ripley defending the title against Becky Lynch. And I actually want to see that. I also still want to see Liv Morgan's story play out. So my thought process would be if you can build Liv's revenge story tour up enough to where people get behind it and you've already got the appeal of Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley on the table, why couldn't we do a three-way? You know, there could be some kind of schmoz that takes place, whether it be at Chamber this upcoming weekend or whether it be something that happens post-Chamber prior to WrestleMania. I think there's a lot of options that you have there, but I would not be opposed to a triple threat world women's title match involving Rhea Ripley, Becky Lynch, and Liv Morgan. I think all three of those people could work very well together, and I would be excited actually to see it. Now, it's a weird topic to bring up, but I saw something this morning that really piqued my interest, and it had to deal with DVDs, which we know are now becoming a dying breed, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, obsolete. There we go. It, it's like Jeff Hardy. It's an obsolete device now. And... Uh, they come very tough to come by if you're uh, shopping out in the real world for one, unless you go on eBay or something like that. And when it comes to wrestling DVDs, I think there could really only be three DVDs that if you have possession of them, you kind of have, I don't want to say a gold mine, but you do have a relic that may be worth something one day in the future. And those three DVDs would be the Hard Knocks Chris Benoit Story DVD from 2004, the Self-Destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD, which came out in 2005, and I believe the McMahon DVD that came out in either 2006 or 7 could arguably be the three most valuable DVDs that you could seek out because they're not on Peacock anywhere, and I think each one of those has their own justified reasons as to why. Um, I know Daily Motion uh, can sometimes have some of these over in the UK, so you probably could seek it out over on that platform. But when it comes to the actual physical item outside of eBay, I don't know many places that you'd be able to find it. And out of those three, I personally own two of them. And I wish I had actually owned all three, but I have the McMahon DVD along with the Warrior DVD. I have watched the Chris Benoit autobiography DVD, but I do not own that one because Benoit was never really one of my guys that I paid a lot of attention to anyway. But yeah, I think that's kind of fun. Do you have any Relic DVDs in your collection? Or hey, maybe even VHSs that may be hard to come by now. Let me know down in the comments section below. Hear from those collectors and let's see what everybody's got in their old libraries, huh? Now, 
Let's talk about current stuff over in WWE because we know over the last few weeks it has been a whirlwind when it comes to creative and things that are going down for WrestleMania. First off, let's talk about the cool thing that took place over on SmackDown. The Bloodline, I guess we can say, has came back to prominence with the inclusion officially as of Friday of The Rock, who came out dressed up in a now sleeveless $500 1999-esque rock uniform. We're talking pants, sunglasses, Versace shirt, and the promo. I don't care what anybody has said on the internet wrestling community through this entire last three days. That promo that Rock gave was old-fashioned heel rock that was prime real estate, and I loved every second of it. I loved him dogging on the state, the city, the people, everything. It worked great, and I didn't think we would ever see this rock again. Are we just scratching the surface of the corporate rock that we saw from 99 making his reemergence, Or is this the beginning of what I would actually honestly think and prefer would be even more entertaining as a combination of 99's corporate rock with 03's Hollywood rock? You get the comedic sense of humor mixed with the brash arrogance of that 99 rock with the 03 Hollywood rock, man, that could mean absolute gangbuster promos and business overall leading up to whatever match we see coming on the horizon for the rock. Rumoredly, he's made the pitch and Chamber next weekend should be a strong indication of what we see with the Grayson Waller effect, but The Rock has apparently been asking and pushing for The Rock and Roman to be in a tag match against Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes on night one of WrestleMania. And honestly, that's a big time match. You know, you've got both champions involved. You've got The Rock involved. You've got Cody involved. Who's to say that that couldn't be something exciting, you know? The Rock being involved in general is just a huge coup for WWE. If you smell what I'm cooking and what The Rock's cooking and what WWE's cooking and the bloodline is cooking. There's been a lot of things that have already come out talking about, well... He was looking at Roman when he said this. He made an L when he they did the number one sign. Like, is there subtle hints that they're dropping as to what exactly is going to take place with Rock in the fold now? I don't know. But this is the most mainstream talked about WWE that we have seen since, honestly, all the way back into the Attitude Era. You could maybe make an argument for Battle of the Billionaires in 2007, but I don't even think they had as much steam as what we've had just within the last few weeks. This is definitely showing rock dominance, bloodline dominance, Honestly, Cody Rhodes dominance, and overall, it's WWE dominance. It's a great thing to see if you're a professional wrestling fan that's been through some rough times like myself and others. So this has just felt amazing to really not know what's going to happen and be excited each week to see what they come up with next. And because of that, I started thinking and really analyzing people's 
I guess back and forth is the only way you could put it between, well, should they have let Cody finish his story, which we all are thinking that something's got to give here with the Cody story at this year's Mania. Does he finish it? I, like many others, hope that that is the case because I've enjoyed it. But you had the people that, as Rock even put it on his promo, you had a huge main event of The Rock and Roman Reigns for WrestleMania, and you threw it away. Now, obviously that's not true. We're going to get that match. It's bound to happen at this point. But I always thought you could still get away with doing it uh, for WrestleMania this year on both nights. Rock Roman night one, Cody Roman night two. We've been through all that. Um, But I really wanted to actually think about how important both stories have been to WWE and how I actually believe both stories are still important and vital to WWE's future success. I was having a conversation with a couple buddies of mine and we were going back and forth on uh, this topic and just like anything in the IWC, everybody's going to have disagreements. But it goes without saying that both finishing the story for Cody and the Bloodline storyline, which has been shrouded as the best storyline in professional wrestling history, myself including, um, they both have their meanings and the importance to WWE. And here's how. The reason why Cody's story, I think, is more important to finish first is because, yes, it is the shorter of the two, and it's more impactful right now. The bloodline has been built for the last three to four years. By the time it concludes, which I'll get to momentarily, it'll be at next year's WrestleMania. So we would have gone nearly five years with one consistent storyline that has kept people interested from the return of Roman Reigns at SummerSlam 2020 to WrestleMania 41 next year. That's insane. It's a great longevity story that we have seen played out. But the reason why Cody's is more important is because, once again, with it being more fresh, it has the opportunity to reach its conclusion right now at a very hot period. Like, you could call this the peak, if you will. And they're really peaking and hitting the climax of this story at the right time. And they were willing to throw that away to finish out the Bloodline story first, at least original reports would say. Maybe that was never the plan. But Cody is vital to WWE's future. As a matter of fact, I would go as far as to say he is the important piece for WWE's future success. It's clear that he's got the fans behind him. And it's not just a segment. It's not like just the kids. No, you've got grown men and women along with kids that love Cody. His character is hard to hate. And he's really done almost anything and everything to prove that not just being a company guy behind the camera, but in front of the camera as well. From wrestling with a torn peck to seemingly giving his WrestleMania spot away, potentially, for Rock and Roman to take that main event this year, he has been all in with WWE and he has shown that he is that guy for WWE. The merchandise has said it. 
The live event gates and records that have been broken over the last two years speak for themselves, and they have been done off of his back mostly. And he's a great face to put out there in front of big publicity, whether it be like the Today Show, or you go on Good Morning America, or you just go and promote the brand on ESPN, whatever the case may be, he is the perfect face for that right now. And you need to solidify him as being the guy, the successor to John Cena right now because he is in prime fashion to take that crown and by making him wwe champion and beating roman reigns and ending this record long streak that we have seen for roman's title reign i mean how else can you say that a star is made it's to me just as much on the equivalent as when the streak was broken that's how this was you know, this is the Undertaker streak only with Roman Reigns' title reign. That's how important this is. And that's how important it will make Cody feel and be in front of the audience when he does it and takes that title. He will officially be the face of the WWE. Now, the reason the Bloodline story is important is because of the players involved in it. Roman Reigns has successfully become an attraction for WWE. The Rock coming back into the fold is an attraction for WWE. You take these two big attractions and you put them together and you've got mainstream attention. You've got people that are very much invested, whether it be new fans, current fans, old fans coming back to check out what's going on because of Rock. It's that important. So Roman and Rock being billed to potentially main event next year's Mania is just fine because now you've given the bloodline its last leg that they have a full year to build on. Because think about it. You've got Rock and Roman on the same side currently by the way things look. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But we're hypothetically going to go with they are on the same front right now. So think about how Rock has even said that he wants to play the long game with this. Well, we're going to get more than one match out of him. So why not build this? Why not build turmoil and tension within the bloodline through a whole year? That is great TV. That's why we've enjoyed Cody's story. That's why the Bloodline story is so successful is because it has had layer upon layer upon layer and now we have finally reached that top layer of Rock and Roman. And I do believe using a full year to build to a one-on-one -on -one match between The Rock and Roman Reigns will also benefit WWE for that one shot get them right then and there. Cody is important for WWE's present and future. Roman Reigns and The Rock's match is important to keep that mainstream attention on WWE and potentially bring in new and old viewers so that Cody and his title reign and anything he does post winning that championship carries that audience moving forward with more record-breaking sales and merchandise, ticket revenue, uh, attendance, whatever you want to go with. That's why both stories are equally as important. They are vital, and I do believe both Bloodline and Finishing the Story are the backbone to WWE's current and future success. 
Guys, that's all I got for you on this edition of the 4CP. Which story do you like better, and do you think there is one that's better than the other? Sound off. Is it the Cody Rhodes finishing his story, or the Bloodline story, down in the comment section below? Also, like we said earlier, let me know what you got in your DVD VHS library of wrestling tapes. Do you have any relics that maybe can't be found anymore? Also... If you're watching this on YouTube, you better have liked it and subscribed to the channel. Make sure you share it with any of your other wrestling friends. And make sure you're following all of our social media pages, Facebook, X, and Instagram. Follow me personally over on X at Travis underscore 4CP. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. And as always, take care and continue to love pro wrestling.